Good morning. Let's stand together, please, and if you've got a Bible with you, if you'll open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'd like to, in just a moment, read these verses to you that we're going to look at, and I... uh, heard that recently here, well, actually not in this city, but in Albuquerque, there was a, uh, an arrest made, uh, oddly enough, of an 80-year-old woman who had been arrested and hauled into court. And so the judge uh, asked her, well, what is, the, what is it that you've been arrested for? And she said, well, Your Honor, I was arrested for stealing a can of peaches. And he said, well, why did you steal the can of peaches? She said, Your Honor, I was hungry. And he said, Well, how many peaches were in the can? She said, Six of them. And he said, Okay, then. He said, There there were six peaches in the can, so I'm going to sentence you to six days in jail, one day for every peach. And as he was bringing that wooden gavel down, her husband raised his hand and he said, Your Honor, may I say something? And the judge said, Yes, sir, what is it? He said, she also stole a can of peas. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Changing gears. I've been given these two verses, but I'd like to read not only these two verses, but a number of the verses that came just ahead of them. But the verses we're looking at primarily are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Back in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light 
through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful word of God. And thank you for our teacher, the Holy Spirit. And we welcome him now, Lord, to glorify you, our Father, in each one of our lives. We pray, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened, that we might know those things that you desire for us to know from your precious word. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts to you, we open them to you, And we thank you in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is a very personal letter. It's not a highly doctrinal letter, but it's of a loving, personal nature from one man to another. It's from the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. The thing that they had in common and the, and the thing that Paul was seeking to encourage Timothy in, they had in common that they both were suffering. And we'll look in just a moment in some detail at exactly how Paul was suffering, and we'll look in some detail at how Timothy was suffering also. But the thing that Paul was seeking to do, because God had already done this in his life and was doing it, he was seeking that Timothy would find something. He knew that if Timothy could find this one thing, that even though there was suffering, he would then find what he needed in his life in the midst of that suffering, and that that he needed to find was he needed to find strength. He needed to find that empowering from God through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul also knew that if Timothy, who was suffering and was in such a position of responsibility, there was a lot on the line. Timothy was a pastor who had not only his own church, but most likely a number of churches that he cared for. Timothy had great responsibility. Timothy, through his sufferings, was 
kind of wavering. And Paul knew, Timothy, if you can be strengthened, if you can be strengthened through the grace that is in Christ Jesus, then you can be faithful. Paul was finishing his course. Timothy still had a ways to go. And really overall in this letter and in this section in particular, these next few verses, Paul's desire is that Timothy would remain faithful. And of course, guys, that is God's desire for you. It's God's desire for me. It's God's desire for every one of his children that by his grace we would be strengthened and that we might be faithful. Now, in just a little while, Pastor David Rosales is going to speak about enduring hardships. But I'd like to take you through, back through this first chapter a little bit and look in detail at the sufferings that Paul was going through and how it was that he was suffering. If you notice in chapter 1, verse 8, we know that Paul was suffering because he was in prison. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Suffering in Rome, in prison, was indeed suffering unlike even as bad as it is down at this prison that Santos mentioned last evening. Where Paul was, there were no facilities. There wasn't a mattress. There wasn't a window. There was no heating during the winter. There was no air conditioning during the summer. It's believed that there wasn't even any regular food. Medical care was something that wasn't even on the charts. There wasn't adequate lighting. There wasn't a place where you could take a shower. You were basically in a cold hole with a little hole in the ground. It was indeed a place of suffering. When Paul says the sufferings that he was enduring, he specifically means to suffer hardship. I'm suffering also, Paul wrote to Timothy. It means to be a partaker of afflictions. It wasn't something that he was just theorizing about. He knew about it. And Paul was also suffering because he was in the will of God. If you notice, please, in verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul was suffering because he was in the will of God. He had been called by God. He had believed in Jesus Christ. He had become converted. And he asked Christ, what do you want me to do? And God told him, Christ told him. And from that day forward until he drew his last breath upon the earth, Paul was a man who sought to live in the will of God. And as a result of being in the will of God, he was suffering. You know, of course, that sometimes we suffer because we're out of the will of God. In fact, you will suffer in some way for sure if you step out of the will of God. Something will be that will happen, and it's really because of how you've chosen to go. But also when we choose to do the right thing, which Paul did over and over, because he was in the will of God, He was suffering for this reason, he says there in verse 12. And then Paul was also facing both a point of suffering that would lead him to the greatest point of blessing. And that was that in just a short while from the writing of this letter, 
he would, as history tells us, feel the sharp axe of the executioner's uh, axe or sword slice into his neck, and he was about to die. If you go over with me, please, to the fourth chapter for just a moment in Second Timothy. He says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Paul was a man just like you. The Bible makes a great point with us in the book of James chapter 5 to say Elijah was a man of like passion. So, yes, he was Paul the Apostle. He was called by God to have such a wonderful ministry that affects us even today. But he was a man, and he had to deal with the sufferings of knowing I'm going to be called and taken, and I'm going to suffer at the hands of the executioner. Timothy, how about Timothy? Timothy was suffering for a number of reasons. He was suffering primarily because of his own ministry, because of his own responsibilities. Timothy was suffering from outside. Rome was beginning to persecute the church. Leaders like his own mentor, Paul, was now in prison. People were losing their lives. There was real physical life and death suffering taking place because of the gospel. You look with me there in verse 4 of of 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, 4, he says, Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then again in verse 12, he says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Timothy, you've been... Uh, suffering to the point of tears. You are suffering the same things I am. And so Timothy was suffering because of what was going on outside the persecution. And then from within the church, Timothy was suffering. He was suffering from within the church because of the false teachers who were telling lies and untruths about our Lord Jesus Christ. They were spreading false doctrine. And even as good, true doctrine builds people up, Lies and deceit tear people down. And any uh, true ministry, any true shepherd and leaders and ministers within a church, it hurts them when the sheep of God are being troubled. False teachers inside the church. Also inside the church, something else that was causing suffering. It was ungodly behavior. People who were living ungodly lives, it brought It brought suffering. And then from within Timothy's own life, it is believed by many scholars that Timothy was not your macho kind of a guy. He was a rather reserved person. He was a little on the timid side. And this was a very, very difficult time for him. In fact, in reading the text there in verse 8, it appears that Timothy was bordering on being ashamed of the gospel. Look in verse 8 with me. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Imagine the sense of condemnation that he must have felt as he was facing this issue of personal weakness and so on. 
And then there was another thing that caused him great suffering, and that was the responsibilities of all of the churches to care for everyone. Not an easy thing. And so Timothy was suffering, and thus Paul was writing to him. Paul was writing to him, and he says, You, Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is talking here about finding strength in the midst of suffering. And that's really what we're talking about here this morning. Finding strength in the midst of suffering. How do you do that? What are the practical ways in which Paul was leading Timothy to be strengthened and to find that empowering? And how, how is it that you, how is it that myself... How in our church, how in our fellowship with those whom we know that are suffering, how is it that we can find the strength and the power of God? Let me just mention five things that are taken right from this first chapter. First of all, prayer. You'll notice that encouragement comes through prayer. Please notice in chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. I loved what Robert Furrow said from Proverbs chapter 2 about crying out to God, raising your voice up to God, speaking out to him from the depths of your heart with tears. What a wonderful thing it is that God allows us to pray and to talk with him And how we can find strength in God through prayer. Prayer is a means of being strengthened. When a man prays, when a man sits with God, when a man takes the time to communicate with God, to quiet himself down and to try to connect with God, to talk with God. In fact, Jesus recommended that rather than fainting, he said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And with prayer being a means of encouragement, our prayers one for another. How often I've been encouraged with through the prayers of someone without even knowing that they've prayed for me. And you find out later, hey, pastor, I was praying for you. Or when you call a friend and you're suffering and you you share your heart. And a friend says, let me pray for you. That brings encouragement. We talk about suffering. There's a way to be strengthened. And one of those ways is through the ministry of prayer. It's what the early church continued in, in talking to God. And then also we find encouragement and strength through fellowship. Again, in verse 4, you'll see where Paul says, greatly desiring to see you. I want to see you, Timothy. I want to be with you. I want to share with you. What great encouragement I was sharing with a couple of the different uh, men here last night. You know, it doesn't get a lot better than church, does it, guys? It's about as close to heaven as you can get. You know, if, if I could always be during the week like I am at church when I'm here, it wouldn't be any problem, would it? And if the world out there was like it is in here, it wouldn't be any problem. 
There's something unique about the sharing of our lives together, the sharing of Jesus Christ, the sharing of the love of God, the sharing of genuine care and concern, the Holy Spirit ministering and washing us through the word of God. And so prayer is a means of finding strength and encouragement. Fellowship is a means of finding strength and encouragement. And then thirdly, there's a third way that we are strengthened, and it comes through the reminders of what God has already given you. We say it, we call it this way, count your what? Count your blessings. There's a lot of wisdom to that. Look what Paul does there in verse 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Timothy, you have faith in God. Now remember that, Timothy. You have faith in God. I know where it came from. I can look back a couple of generations and see the means whereby God brought faith into your life. That faith that they had, I believe that it is in you also, Timothy. You see, Timothy need to be strengthened, and so Paul is reminding him of what he already had. And secondly, he says here, Timothy, you have a gift from God. Notice, please, in verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. These gifts that come from God, Timothy was called as a pastor. He was called as a preacher. He was called to oversight in the ministry. And so he reminded him, Timothy, you have faith in God. Timothy, you have a gift from God. And then there was one other thing that actually has three parts to it. He says, there's something else that you've got, Timothy. It's in verse 7. For God has not given us, number one, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. First of all, Timothy, it isn't God who has given us a spirit of fear. What God has given us, Timothy, are these three things. You have not only faith, you have not only gifts from God, but you have power. You have the Holy Spirit living in you to energize your life. You have love that comes from the Holy Spirit, and you have a sound mind. You can exercise your self-control and think carefully. And Timothy, God's given you that ability. And so not only prayer, not only fellowship, but a reminder of those things that God has already given us. There's a fourth way that we find encouragement and strength. And it comes through simply being open and honest with one another in fellowship. You might call it just simply humility and openness. Please look in verse 15 of that first chapter. Look how open Paul is. He says, This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Paul was simply opening up his heart. You know, it's a funny phrase. It's got some truth to it, but that phrase, misery loves what? There's just something funny about misery loves company. I don't think it's quite as true as it purported to be, but, but we find some solace. We find some comfort. Oh, you're, you're going through something too. And to see it in someone else and to see someone's openness and to see someone's humility. Sometimes, sometimes we may think that in order to be 
so effective, there's some kind of an air or an attitude that we have to put on. But really, just being yourself in Christ is the best thing. And, and there's encouragement that comes through that humility and that openness. And then a fifth and a final thought on this little section here is that encouragement comes through love and service and care for one another. You'll notice in verse 16 through 18 again, Paul is praying and mentioning. He says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Why? For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Paul says this man and his house, they got together, they pooled their resources together, and frequently they would come and visit me. They weren't ashamed to be identified with me in prison there. They would come and they would refresh me. When he, would, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me. What encouragement, what strength comes through loving service and care for one another. But back to the main point. Right there in chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, in light of the need you have, in light of the responsibilities you have, In light of what I've been saying to you, in light of your circumstances, all of your trouble, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Two quick things. Number one, Timothy was not only Paul's son in that Paul had uh, discipled him and mentored him, but Timothy was indeed a son of God. So this is possible for the sons of God. And secondly, you'll notice that Paul wasn't saying, look, now uh, you've got all this suffering. Let's pray that it all goes away. But rather, he said, let's find the strength that comes through the grace of God in the midst of your suffering. In light of everything, Timothy, he says, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That little, little phrase there, be strong can be translated, keep on being empowered. In other words, Paul is saying not just a single day, not just Saturday today at the men's conference, but rather on an ongoing basis. Sometimes people say, well, man, people, they go to church a lot. Yeah, they do. There's a reason. Fellowship with God. It's a source of strength. It's a source of encouragement. We need God's grace. We need God's strength every day. And also when you're in a trial, you know, uh, trials, they don't just come and go. Sometimes little ones come and go, but sometimes they come and they stay for a long time. I can remember when I was a brand new Christian, this February will be 34 years ago. In February of 1973, I was converted. And I joined, was part of a Christian ministry, a discipleship ministry, a discipleship house. And we worked together. We'd pool our money together to pay the bills. And we would hold Bible studies and go out and evangelize and share and serve the community. And I remember as a brand new Christian being on on the job one day with these guys, we were working and having lunch. And 
And uh, as a new Christian, I was all, you know, just listening to these older brothers. They were just talking and fellowshipping, and they were talking about trials. Now, I had spent the previous number of years, I was in pharmaceuticals prior to being converted. And uh, I just say it with a little more polish. So I had spent a number of years avoiding arrest and prosecution. And so the word trials, you know, it had a certain connotation to me. But I heard them talking about trials, and I said, I said to them as a new Christian, I said, well, what are trials? And they, they all just stopped eating and just looked at me. And then they just, you know, kept talking. And I thought, okay, I, I've got it. I, I'm going to find out. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. You see, trials don't just come and they don't just go. Trials come, the Bible says, for a season. Paul said, or Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, After you have suffered a while, in the world you will have tribulation. There is no uh, life really without trials. Tribulation. You can fall into them suddenly. And thus you can see the need to be strengthened, not only just for the moment, but to be strengthened today, tonight, tomorrow, in the days to come. The other thing that Paul is saying in this verse is not to be strong in your own strength, but notice, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He was to receive God's power and allow it to be in his life. He was calling him to be made strong. Be strong by the means of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The strength was to come from the grace of God that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We all have heard what grace means and we're learning it and we'll learn it for eternity. But it means God's unmerited favor. It, It is God's favor towards people who do not deserve it. Be strong in the unmerited favor of God. It's in Christ Jesus. It's not in you, Timothy. It's in Christ. And I want you to keep on being empowered day by day. You're not going to find this strength ever in yourself. You'll find that strength and that empowering from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. To say it another way, this being empowered is not like a flashlight that derives its power from the batteries that are from within, but it's more like a lamp that shines because the power is coming into it from without. The idea here, Timothy, be made strong by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we know what he was telling him to do. How do you do it? How was Timothy to actually do this? Well, Turn with me to the Gospel of John, please, chapter 1. And I'd like to just look at five principles of how we find strength through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we do it? How does it happen? How does the Lord actually communicate his grace to us?
the Gospel of John chapter 1. First of all, to remember that God gives grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. God gives grace upon grace upon grace. God piles on the grace. That's the first thing to remember. Verse 16. And of his fullness of Jesus Christ, we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. We've all benefited from the rich blessings he's brought to us. One gracious blessing after another. So as a starting point, God, I know that you pile grace, that unmerited favor, upon unmerited favor over and over and over again. You know, so often when I uh, talk to the Lord and go to him, I'm just like you, any other person, we're all the same. So often I like the prophet who said, woe is me, I'm so undone. As Pastor Chuck Smith has so aptly described, the, one of the first evidences of the presence of God in our lives as we're seeking him is that just that sense of our own unworthiness and the sense of his holiness and of his greatness. Woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. And how often in coming to God... I will say to him, I'll say, Father, it's me again. I'm here again, Lord. And I think I'm talking to you about the same thing I was talking to you about before. I don't feel a lot better or, you know, here I am again. And you know, as I begin to talk to the Lord, there's something so wonderful that happens is I discover afresh the grace of God. And I discover afresh that God is just ready to pile his grace into my life, his unmerited favor. So that's the first thing for us to remember. And then over to the right in the book of Romans, please, chapter 5. This is a most, uh, this is such a marvelous thing we're going to look at here in this fifth chapter. Romans chapter 5. And remember, we're just trying to, in a practical sense, say this is how you really find that strength through the grace that's in Christ. Not only does God pile grace upon grace upon grace, but as Christians, we have access to this grace. Please notice in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we're saved. We're acceptable to God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also, in addition to being saved, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. I don't know if you've ever, well, you've been to some places that are important places or restricted locations and To get in there, you've got to have uh, credentials or you have to go through some process to have access to get into wherever it is you're going. You and I, as men who've been justified by God, not only has God justified us, 
Not only did we come to him and cry out to him to save us, but now as those who are saved, we have access. We don't need anybody to take us there. I don't need you to take me there. You don't need me to take you there. You and I individually, we have access to God. We have access to the grace of God in which we stand. And the idea there is we are firmly standing in the grace of God. I have access to the grace of God. You see, Paul was saying, Timothy, you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, he piles it on. Timothy, you have access to this grace. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is perhaps one of the eye-opening things that we find in the Christian life. And it's so true. Grace is found in our weakness and in those times of weakness. In verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, we don't have the time to deal with all of the background, but Paul is explaining how God was faithfully keeping him humble, but that humbling brought suffering into his life, and he was trying to get out of the suffering, but he discovered something about it, about the grace of God. He says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. God was trying to make sure that Paul, who had been caught up into heaven, as it were, literally, and said, seen things that it was not lawful for him to talk about. Can you imagine the tendency, the pride in your own life when some, if that had happened to you like last yesterday and you came here today and somebody said, how are you doing? They, they said, what'd it be, bro? No, I'm sorry. Okay. I just wanted to slip that in and it didn't even register with anybody. I thought it might, <laughs> I thought it might, but uh, they said, anyways, uh, well, how are you doing? To put it in a more polished vernacular. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Well, what did you do yesterday? Oh, that's not. Well, what did you do yesterday? Well, (laughs) what did I do yesterday? I got caught up into heaven. I mean, imagine if you, unlike anybody you know, had been caught up into heaven, it might tend to make you uh, vulnerable to the sin of pride. Well, God not only blessed Paul with this great revelation, but Paul blessed him with this thorn in the flesh. It was connected to Satan in some way. It was a, to buffet him. Perhaps it was the constant steady attack of false teachers who were coming against him. Or maybe it was some physical illness. But he says, concerning this thing, in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Over and over, I asked God to deliver me. And this is what God said in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul then figured this out and he said, therefore... Most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God gives grace over and over. We have access to this grace. And we can call out to God in our weakness. That's really where we can find the grace of God. And then to the right, please, over in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, something else, just a practical thought. And that is that we can simply pray and ask the Lord to strengthen us. Please notice in verse 14 of that third chapter in Ephesians, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. So here's what Paul's praying for them, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Paul was interceding for them. He was asking God to strengthen them inwardly. And that's exactly what Paul's saying in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. So you, my son, be strong. Strengthened inwardly is the idea. In the grace or the spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. You can simply ask God. Please strengthen me inwardly by the Holy Spirit. Give me the strength. Lord, I know you just piled the grace on. I know that I can come. I I can come right now to you. And I know that, Lord, even though I'm overwhelmed by my weakness and this trouble and this problem, I can ask you to strengthen me. And then... If you'll turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, just a couple of more things on a practical level. 1 Peter chapter 5. Actually, just to the left there, the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 4. I wanted to make sure we didn't forget this one. This is another practical way And that is to recognize that God invites you to come to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then here it is in verse 16. In light of the fact that Christ really does understand on a human level what it's like to experience the weakness of humanity, although he didn't sin, let us therefore come boldly or unreservedly, just openly, to the throne of grace. And please notice that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God invites us to come. And then over to First Peter with me there, chapter 5. Just two more uh, things, and this will...
conclude the first of several points that I have this morning. No. That one, uh, you know, I've noticed, I think it's the desert air that has done something to your sense of humor out here. Do you think? I think that might be it. Although I've noticed many people where I'm from in Visalia, they have that same problem that you do as well. But listen, you will find grace as you simply humble yourself before God. Please notice what he says here in verse 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. Why? For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humility is simply admitting your need. And lastly, if you'll turn to the book of 1 John with me, please, chapter 2. How is it that we find the grace of God in the most practical of ways? Remember, God is the God of grace who gives grace. He gives grace. He piles it on. We have access to this grace. We can call out to God for his grace in our weakness. We can simply ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. God invites us to come to the throne of grace. If we humble ourselves before God, we're promised to receive grace. And finally, you will receive strength by being in and staying in the word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, please notice, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Being in the word, staying in the word. It's so important. I'd like to read you a little quote. It's a couple of brief paragraphs about grace and about being strengthened. When you find any comfort in your soul, any added strength in duty or any support in temptation, it distills a special sweetness into your life to consider what friend sent these blessings. They do not come from your own supply or anyone else's. It is the Heavenly Father who slips quietly in and leaves the sweet perfume of his comfort. It is his kind spirit that holds your head and calms your heart while the trial rages within. It is his pungent fragrance that keeps you from fainting in unbelief. What soul, thus comforted, could for a moment doubt the love and concern of such a father? I ask you, what friend loves you more? The one who, hearing you are in need, promptly writes out a check and puts it in the mail and considers his obligation to you paid in full? Or the one who drops everything, comes to your house, and does not leave until he is satisfied that all your needs have been cared for. But he is not through yet. He keeps coming back until the crisis is completely passed. 
Unless you are too proud to face your benefactor or love money above all else, you must certainly prefer the comfort of the second. God is the latter friend. He comes to our hearts, checks the cupboards, sees how bare they are, and sends in provisions accordingly. Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, and you shall have them. He knows your need for strength. He knows you need strength to pray, strength to hear, strength to suffer for him, strength to trust him, strength in your life. Be made strong. How do we do it? We understand the divine resource and we avail ourselves of it. In other words, put yourself in the place to receive the grace of God. Position yourself to receive the power of God. Jude said this, if you'll turn to the right with me there, just a couple of books over to the right, please. Jude, look at these beautiful verses. We'll end with these, and time doesn't permit to go into that second verse in 2 Timothy. But here in Jude, verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever.